to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Jeb Bashaw. Welcome to my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. We're delighted to have with us in studio today Father Augustine Weta. Father is a monk, so that's kind of fun. We might talk about that. He's from Galveston, Texas, went to Rice University in Oxford. He's a very smart guy, a very uh, funny guy, and he's also and very humble guy. And very humble guy. And he's also an accomplished uh, author. Uh, his books, which we'll talk about as well, uh, are uh, in great publication, and we'll tell you how to get those later on. But, uh, Father, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Am I allowed to wear these headphones? If you want, but you don't have to. If you just want to look like you know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I like Can you this. hear better? Yeah, I Okay, can, good. Yeah. Perfect, 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 perfect. <laughs> well, Father's from St. Louis. Welcome back to Texas. We're glad to have you here. Um, I'm fa- delighted to be here. I was just thinking that uh, once you're from Texas, you're not from anywhere else. So. Isn't that funny? People, people, te- ask, te- people te- say, oh, you're from Texas, and, and they, they, uh, somebody, they want to yeah. go to Dallas, but... Well, yeah. Dallas isn't a real study. When I was living in Italy, they were like, Sedi Tejas, Texas, <laughs> donde pistoli? You do, don't you have pistols? I'm like, well, most of us do, actually, but not on me, no. <laughs> Any state where one out of three drivers is armed <laughs> is a good place as far as I'm concerned. It's a safe place to live. That's exactly <laughs> right. Although the world, the world's changing down here, Father. We, we've had a little excitement, as you've had in St. Louis with uh, – some um, of the what we we would call the unpleasantness we've had some of that here yeah. so uh it's well changed. it's been a long time coming yeah exactly I they, I, I i'm very you mean that the whole black lives matter yeah black lives really matter like and you know everything else starting with the you know all, all the way really back to michael brown which was in F- yeah. ferguson not too far right. from you right and then george floyd and um so I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, di- I'm divided on that because, on the one <laughs> hand, I tend to think of myself as a reactionary right wing conservative. <laughs> on the other hand, I have this really good friend who actually ru- does Black Lives Matter, and the the actual man on the street. Because I, I actually, I'll, I'll have to admit to this online, I guess, but I preached <laughs> a sermon against Black Lives Matter. Oh, wow! And my friend said, "Well, have you ever been to a meeting?" I said, "Well, no." He said, "Well, then, how do you know what they tell you?" <laughs> so I ended up going, and they're like way more conservative than I am on a lot of issues. Like, I mean, I thought they were going to be like in favor of the legalization of marijuana, for example, and they're like. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, you know where they're going to put all those shops? Right in the middle of our neighborhood. Right. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. And then the whole LGBTQ thing, they are not on board right. with it all. In fact, one of them says that one of the guys at the meeting says to me, that's just an excuse for white people to get in on the oppression. <laughs> <laughs> which which actually said, rang a little true to me. You know? But uh, We do live in the times where... Right, you're, people are looking to be oppressed. I agree with you. It's amazing. We live in the greatest world, the greatest society in the world, and people are trying to figure out ways to feel bad about the life they have. And I'm thinking we you do. should be. But but I do think it is hard being black in this country. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. You know, yeah. it's it's the, and it's funny how it, a lot of it boils down to vocabulary. Because mm-hmm. like I hate this term white privilege, mm-hmm. right? But on the other hand, like. I'm willing to grant that there is an advantage that comes to being white in this country. Yeah, so, so it's it's really in many cases I found because I very much not in not in my 
favor at all. I, I was not enthused about this at all, mm -hmm. but I, I ended up really involved with Black Lives Matter and, Interesting. and all this stuff because, well, mainly because I didn't want to support them because I thought they were evil. <laughs> but but then the actual man on the street, personally, when you talk to them, they're, they're really quite reasonable and, and not at all with the sort of radical leadership. Uh, what, what you gather from listening to the radical leadership, yeah. Well, interesting. You talk about this. We had a breakfast this morning with Father, which was well attended, and he oh, talked so about fun. It was super fun, and he talked about scrambled eggs I've ever had. <laughs> and he talked about um, the the idea of listening. So why don't we start with that? Talk about what Saint uh, the Saint Benedictine talks about. Saint Benedictine talks about in terms of how yeah. you handle discourse. Well, the, the rule starts with the word listen. St. Benedict says, um, listen, my son, to the rule of the master. Incline, oh, no, no, to the words of a father who loves you. Uh, incline the ear of your heart. So it, it's not just listening. It's, it's listening with the heart, so, which requires a lot more focus, a lot more attention, a lot more sympathy, really. And, and I found, you know, years ago, there was this protest at the statue of St. Louis, the Black Lives Matter supporters wanted to tear it down, and I went down there to say the rosary. But the thing was, I, I in accordance with the rule, I, I had to sort of listen to the opposition. And, you know, I, I still can't say I agree with them, but... Like I, I had some pretty amazing conversations out there with people with people who disagreed with me. Um, I uh, like I, I remember in particular one guy is I wish I, I I'd like to meet him again someday. But his, he came up to me and he said, w "Would you mind having a rational discussion about that <laughs> statue?" And I said. No, I wouldn't at all. Like, thank you. Yes, please. And he said, "Well, I want it torn down because you know St. Louis. He was a uh, a genocidal anti-Semite." And I said, "Oh no! Like, that sounds horrible. Like, because we think he's a saint. Like, is that true?" He goes, "Oh yeah, he murdered, or he murdered Jews." And I, and. and at first, my first inclination was to be really insulted by this, you know, because he's a saint, you know. But 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 I said, really, how many did he kill? And then all of a sudden, my friend says, "Well, uh, I don't know. I just a friend told me that, and I just believed him." And so I said, "Well, do you trust your friend?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "So well, I'll tell you what. I'll go home and and I'll look this up, and not just you know some Catholic saint book, right, obviously." Sure. And if it's true that he was a genocidal anti-Semite, I said, you know what? I'll come back tomorrow and I'll tear it down with you. <laughs> and he was like, wow, yeah, okay. And I'm going to go look him up too. And I'll meet you here, you know. And he said, my name's David. You know, I'm Jewish. And I was like, well, my name's Augustine. I'm Catholic. And he said, you know, it's my birthday. And I said, well, happy birthday, David. And, and he, he didn't show up the next day. So I guess, I don't know. Turns out St. Louis was not a genocidal. <laughs> he wasn't. Um, he, now, he did have copies of the Talmud burned, uh, which is not what I would call open-minded. But then again, freedom of religion wasn't invented until the founding of Rhode Island. So I'm not sure we can really hold this against St. Louis. But still, you know, it be, uh, 
out of respect for my friend David, I'll keep looking this stuff yeah. up. You know? Well, you did that today. You brought a bunch of Saint cards with you, which was super fun yeah. for the guys. And, you know, I think that's – you and I talking about this on the way over your father. I mean, there's, there's, the, there's the truth and there's everything else. And so yeah. people think they're getting the truth from various sources, and they may or may not be right. You know, you and I joked about people that say, oh, well, you know, you Catholics, you pray to Mary. We don't pray to Mary. You know, we ask for intercession. Right. but. You, that's a nuance in their mind. They've already been told that that's what we do, and so you have to right. overcome that. And so that sounds like very much, you know, you're – so go back to listen. So uh, so uh, St. Benedict says, <laughs> oh, right. yeah, listening. Pretty far off topic here. <laughs> um, yeah, he says, listen. So, so really that's the way monks do everything. It's the way we have arguments. It's the way we settle arguments. It's the way we pray. Uh, Lexio Divina, which is kind of falling out of fashion – and maybe coming back into fashion again is a, is a way of listening to the scriptures instead of just reading them or analyzing them or uh, researching them. You really you sit down with the Bible and you open it up and you let it speak directly to you, and, and well, directly to your heart. You know, as Saint Benedict says. Uh, so it's the way we pray, um, and then of course we spend a lot of time in silence without which listening is impossible, right? So <laughs> we, we, we try to really listen to God and to one another. Um, but, but And I try to teach, we run a high school, my, my monastery does, which is very loud. And, uh, and tell us the name of it. Uh, the Priory School in St. Louis, Missouri. Is it all boys? Uh, all boys, thanks be to God. Uh, women, <laughs> girls are too smart, uh, David. I've... I've tried teaching girls and they're they're way too smart for me a guy you could say shut up you idiot and they'll be cool with it the next day but <laughs> the girls remember her <laughs> they don't they don't forgive as quickly though though interestingly i think they understand more quickly which may be why they forgive less quickly <laughs> i hadn't actually thought of this i i better i'm not uh, i don't want to go on well i guess i just did go on the record didn't i oh well well, That's fine. I'm, th how many, how many, I'm thinking on the fly here, folks. So I'm not necessarily standing. How many right boys here. in the school? Uh, two hundred and sixty something. We got sixty-five per class. Right. And we used to, we originally we were supposed to start in ninth grade, but the original monks who showed up from England said no one should start high school unless they can speak a foreign language and know all their algebra which meant no Missourians applied. <laughs> so they also started junior high to educate kids to go to the high school. So we, we got every kid has to have six years of uh, theology, two years of Latin, be done with their algebra by the time they get into high school. And we also teach, uh, let's see, uh, stained glass and calligraphy and awesome. all sorts of monastic skills. Fantastic. And how, yeah. many, how many brothers are in the... Uh, Monastery with you. Well, it, it, there's an ebb and a flow. Uh, right now, I think we're at 17. We just sent a few. We just sent, I guess, four off to Portsmouth, Rhode Island, to refound a community that was struggling there. Now, what was that abbey in in Portsmouth? Was it St. George's? Uh, they call it Portsmouth Abbey. Oh, okay. it, it may be uh, the Abbey of St. George. I don't know, actually, who their patron is now that you mention it. Just because they go by Portsmouth Abbey, right, sure. so good. Um, 
But yeah, now it's full. It's got some St. Louis Abbey monks. They got two novices, and they're doing pretty well. Awesome, there. good. Yeah, glad to hear recruiting's on the rise. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah, we got, but we got to get some more guys out in St. <laughs> Louis because I'm like three spots away from being out of dish duty. <laughs> if I can just get three novices, then I'll be uh, I'll be able to kick back after dinner and relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us one of the stories you told at breakfast, which I thought was fascinating. And, you, and to c- kind of continue this discussion about silence and listening, you talked about the um, they had somehow at some point in your life they had put you in charge of, I guess, maintenance or something, and the uh, elevator had broken, and some poor oh, old monk was stuck in there for three hours. So, talk a little bit about that and, yeah. and how that kind of affected how you see the world. Well, it, it was it was early on in my experience of the Benedictines, but I had to pry this old monk out of an elevator. He'd been in there for three and a half hours, so I was pretty, uh, I, well, I was annoyed. I don't know why, because I had to get him out. Um, but he really should have been annoyed. And when he climbed out of the elevator, he was actually, like, really seemed really happy. He was beaming. He, uh, and I, I do remember saying to him, what's your problem? Which wasn't a very nice way to put it. And, and his answer was, uh, well, it was disbelief. He said, problem? He's like, why would I have a problem? He said, I just got to spend three and a half hours in an elevator, as if that explained it. And, and I said, asked, asked him to explain it. And he said, well, you know, I spent, I gave up everything to pursue a life of silent contemplation as a monk. And and now I've just filled my life with things to do. He said, but there I was in that elevator, just there's no, I couldn't see anything, couldn't hear anything. He's like, it was just the most pure, beautiful hours of prayer I've had in, in a long time. And I remember thinking at the time that like, well, A, I could never be a monk, but B, <laughs> That there is there is a power there that that ability to turn what would be for most of us a really frustrating experience, even sort of like maddening. I mean, three hours, gosh, um, into the high point of his month. I mean, I thought, man, this guy either he has a really depressing <laughs> life or his life's really great. If that's like if he can turn that experience into a wonderful experience and what else is he capable of and that that i guess i hadn't actually really thought of it until now but i think that was probably the turning the beginnings of my vocation to the monastic life because i thought to myself that like no wonder these guys seem so happy because Nothing can bother them. You know. Of course, then I became a monk and found out that everything bothers me anyway. You bring your, you bring your cross in with you. You know, but well, that's wonderful. Well, that's I'm on my way. Which one of the things we talked about too at breakfast and kind of hitting up. You know, we you and I have talked about this. We're heading into the Advent season, which should be a joyful season. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. People are excited. The birth of Christ. And yet, we all get wrapped up in all the excitement of getting ready to get ready, which includes, yeah. oh my gosh, am I going to my grandparents or my parents? To, who's going to bring the turkey? Who's going to bring this stuff? And then it, it becomes this tense time. So why don't you talk a little bit about the gifts that we have and things that you think we should be thinking about as we head into this season, as we hmm. prepare, so we can enjoy the moment rather than, like, he enjoyed the moment of being for three hours. I would have been nuts yeah, if I were him, but he, he took it as a joy he rather than it. getting all excited about, oh, my gosh, should I bring the right potatoes or are we going to be at Johnny and Susie's or what, are we going to midnight mass? How, yeah. how, how, how do you get ready for the how do, how do we 
in today's world with all the stuff going on with technology and TVs and phones, how do we take a moment and turn it all off and say, I'm ready for the coming of the Lord? Well, um, in these uncertain times, I think it's really important to remind ourselves um, how stupid it is to talk about these uncertain times. I mean, <laughs> what time was ever certain? I have this wonderful friend uh, from Kansas, well, near Kansas City. He's a priest. He and I were in seminary together. He's from Nigeria. His name is Father Patrick Nokoye. And he, I took him to his first American grocery store. And I remember coming around the corner, and he, like, froze, grabbing by the shoulder. He says, brother, he says, this whole row, he says, this is just food, all of it. He says, it's just, it's, it's just food for your dogs. <laughs> like he couldn't get it into his head. He's like, this, the, I, I think we can get, well, I mean, it, it's a cliche to say that we get too much into the materialism of it. But but uh, what you were saying earlier was reminded me of something that, uh, I think his name is Auguste de Cossade, wrote a book called um, Abandonment to Divine Providence, I think. Case, he's definitely said somewhere in one of his books, <laughs> he said, uh, uh, he refers to the sacrament of the present moment, right? That on the one, Advent is this interesting time because on the one hand, you're supposed to spend it looking forward to Christmas, right? Look, anticipating Christmas. Um, ask you about the O antiphons in a second. But then on the other hand, it's also about taking your eyes off of the goal and focusing it on your present moment and living that moment as purely and as with as much holiness as you can muster by the grace of God, of course. Um, but but I, I was just saying about the O antiphons, that they're the monks for, for let's see, O, one, two, three, four, I think it's for seven days, or maybe it's eight, or maybe it's ten. I care. Arrow cross. E R O C R A, O C R A S. Seven. Uh, it's seven days. <laughs> for seven days leading up to Christmas, the uh, monks sing a particular, a different song at the beginning of each uh, vespers. And in my monastery, we sing everything the, the vespers in Latin and Gregorian chant. And um, the, each one is a, is a title of our Lord. So let's see, Ero E, um, well, O Adonai. The, the, the antiphons are very, very ancient. And they actually they sound a little bit like, um, like uh, Arabic calls to prayer. Oh, and wow. they're kind of mourning. I, I, can't, I can't remember the words, but they go like, Oh, Adonai, like that, like this sort of oh, like come, <laughs> and but but each night we address Jesus by a different one of his messianic titles. So Adonai, um, let's see, Adonai, Rex, Udei. Um, but the interesting thing is that at the each e. Each uh, title begins with a different letter, obviously, and they spell out eros, ero, cross, which means "Behold, I'm coming." Uh, in backward, and so each day you fulfill, you, you get a step 
a literally a letter closer to Christmas. Um, and so the tension builds. But I think the point of Advent is to enjoy that tension. Um, when I met my first monk uh, and we became friends, I remember we were up pretty late talking philosophy and stuff. And I remember saying to him, um, clearly prayer doesn't work because <laughs> I've been praying my whole life and I have less faith now than when I started. <laughs> and if I had been doing any other activity, I would improve over time, right? <laughs> I, you know, it just common sense. But I actually have less faith now. And he, t he was silent for a long time. He had this habit of closing his eyes when he thought, which I, which I adapted, I adopted <laughs> actually. Um, and and he, after a while he said, you know what? He says, you need to pray more. <laughs> and I was like, like, typical monk, you know. But, but I said, look, here's the thing. I have more questions now than when I started. What's the deal? And he pulled a book off of his shelf uh, by uh, Rainer Marie Rilke, a famous book called uh, Letters to a Young Poet. And he opened it up to, a, and I used to have this passage memorized. I don't any longer, but he says something says something like, um, this This young poet writes to him and says, I don't know whether I should be a poet or not. Do you think I should? He says, um, don't worry about where you're going. He says, um, try to think of the future as a room with a locked door or a book in a very strange language that you wouldn't be able to understand even if you could read it. He's like, instead, um, learn to love the questions themselves. And someday you will live your way into the answer. And, and I, I think Advent is sort of about learning to love the question, learning to love the process as opposed to just waiting for the end to come. You know? uh, although, of course, we are waiting for the end to come. Uh, <laughs> so that it, I, I just, if, if you ever get a chance, you should go on YouTube and listen to Ronald Knox's Christmas sermon. And it's, oh, it's so great because he starts it off by saying that um, every time he looks at a crush, he feels like he's the only guy at the party that doesn't get the joke. <laughs> like, because here's this mom and her kid, and she's no different from any other mom and their kid. And yet everyone is like hyper-focused on this kid. And um, <laughs> he says, but, but that's the beauty of it. Like, it's just a baby and just a mom, but it's also the Lord God Almighty <laughs> and the Theotokos. At the same time, he says, and, and he's, he, I think he ends the sermon by saying that whenever you are accused, he says, you, you know you are an Orthodox Christian. You know you have your doctrine straight when people accuse you of holding contradictory opinions. Like, wow. Say, well, Jesus, he's God and he's man, mm. the Eucharist, bread, and it is the body, mm -hmm. blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Like all these incompatible, like, because, and I think it was St. Francis, uh, gosh, I'm talking a lot for a month. St. <laughs> Augustine's, I think it was St. Augustine who said this, but I can't, I haven't ever been able to find the source, um, that he, he said heresy in the end is an attempt to cage light to keep light in a cage that 
you know, you say, oh, well, he was, Jesus was just a God who pretended to be man. Easy to understand. I could fit that in my head. Uh, Jesus was a man, a man that God made, that God divinized. Okay, easy to get in my head. Uh, or, or God predestined everyone to heaven or hell. Easy to easy to imagine. But the truth is always like light. It always creeps out through the cracks, right? We have free will, and we are predestined. <laughs> and we're not predestined. Yeah, you know, like it's <laughs> very complicated, you know, and also like extremely simple. Mm-hmm. I, on on the way here this morning, I in the Uber driver was Russian Orthodox, and he we we got to, I don't know well I guess because I'm a monk we got to talking about the the Eucharist, and I just said it's just so simple. It's like E equals MC squared. Like, that's such a beautiful, like, it's almost poetic how, how simple that formula is that it must be true for me. Like, it's just so beautiful and so simple. And so is bread plus wine plus water plus priest equals Eucharist, mm-hmm. like, equals God. Like, it's so, so simple and yet so incomprehensible that it's just got to be true. Exactly. I mean, that's and of course that's the way we all feel, and it's and but it's also similarly hard to explain if you don't you because as you said, people want to yeah. argue the point, and you're like, well, I don't know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I heard an interview. I, I try to listen to NPR once a week just so I get angry at someone. <laughs> but and every now and then I, I hear something interesting. And, you know, even a blind hog finds an acorn sure. every now and then. Um, but they were interviewing, and I, I hope I'm. I don't know if I'm going to get this right or not. But somebody real, 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 real smart. I think he's the author of the Encyclopedia of Technology, and his intelligence is just goes without saying. And the interviewer asked him at one point, unusually for NPR, he said, <laughs> "Do you believe in God?" And he said, "Oh yes." And she said, "Why?" And he said, well, because I can't prove that he exists. <laughs> and she said, what? He goes, well, if I could do a proof for God, I would just do the proof and then i move on with the rest of my life. He's like, but obviously if God exists, he's got to be infinitely interesting, like, which means you can't ever get to the end of that proof, <laughs> which is the weirdest like foundation of anyone's faith I've ever heard. But still... <laughs> It makes sense in a way. Like God is is infinite, therefore you can't know him. Therefore he must exist. <laughs> or you you can know him, you can't comprehend him. Right. Yeah. That's funny. We you and I talked about it the way I we, I told you I went to strike judgment. We had a, father, a priest there named Father Leininger who was famous for sending you to the board to do math problems, and Ooh. you just reminded me that, you know, sometimes it felt like it was infinite because whoever was at the board wasn't going to get it no matter how long he stood yeah. there. <laughs> we had an old monk whose famous line used to be, no, boy, it wasn't right five minutes ago, and it's not right now. <laughs> that was the wrong answer I asked you the first time. It's the wrong, still the wrong answer. <laughs> Reminds me of, uh, you know, the old joke about the uh, – the uh, guy who goes to the Wailing Wall and prays every day in Jerusalem, and finally he dies and he gets to heaven, and St. Peter says, i got to tell you, we were so impressed with your fidelity to the faith and you're <laughs> doing that, and you just were just unbelievable. And um, he says, uh, you know, can I ask you, he said, what was it like going to the 
pray to the wall every day and just praying and not hearing anything back. And he, you know, excuse the language. He said, what do you think it was like? It was like talking to a fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's like talking to a wall, yeah. Well, I Father, feel so- like that sometimes <laughs> myself. Even monks feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about monk life. Tell us a day in the life of oh. um, what you do. I know you teach school. You pray. Um, mm-hmm. You're part of a community. So tell us a little bit about that and how that help how you keep on focus Oof. with your life, knowing because you do live in the real world too. It's not just monastic. You're not just laying in bed praying and then getting up, going eating and working. You have lots of things going on. Tell us how you do it. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I do. Like <laughs> I, I'm. Uh, yeah. I. That's a very at this time in my life, it's a very complicated question to ask because. <laughs> I've been, I I was a monk for 20 years, then I wrote this book, and it went viral, and now I've run around giving talks. Last week, the abbot said to me, Father Gussin, no more talks for a year. (laughs) Really? Wow. No no further talks. Like, I'm still going, obviously, I'm here. Sure. Um, But uh, it is very, very difficult to run around giving talks, being a my mother is just worried sick that I'm going to become a celebrity. <laughs> but I was actually talking to one of my priest friends. He said, you're the Steve Buscemi of celebrity. <laughs> Everyone's heard of you, but nobody knows who you are. <laughs> so, but, but that's perfect. If you think of it for a monk, like I'm, I, 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 that's about where I'd like to be, I guess. But, um, I, on a typical, if there is a typical monk day, we wake up at five fifteen. uh, Monk walks around knocking on doors saying, Benedicamos Domino, which means let us bless the Lord. And if you're a good monk, you say, Deo gracias. But if you're me, you go, go away. Um, And then 10 minutes later, he rings a bell, and then we all sing, the we chant the Psalms first thing before the sun rises. And then we go off to our rooms, we meditate, we come back, we pray after the sun rises. Then we go off to work. Ora et labora is the monastic motto. Um, come back at noon and pray. We, we try to interrupt what we're doing constantly with prayer so as to remind ourselves that life is the prayer, right? I mean, prayer shouldn't stop. I had a friend actually at Oxford who was a monk. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, why can't I remember his name? Oh, well, it'll come to me. He wrote the <laughs> Jerusalem Bible. So Henry Wandsborough who had a, a digital watch, and it went off every 30 minutes. It would The alarm would go off. It was annoying as anything. <laughs> but he would stop everything he did, was doing and say, and our father. And and that was his way of staying on task, right? And one, one Lent I tried to do that, and it was just too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, for, but it worked for him. And, and I often think of Father Henry because... He, he really was a great man, is, is a great man. I'm speaking about him as though he were dead. He's like 99 year or 1,000 years old by now, but he's still alive back at Ampleforth. Though apparently his ghost, even though he's still alive, his ghost haunts the halls at Oxford. People swear they see, he, he used to rollerblade to class, believe it or oh not, my to, to lectures. And he his is, I guess it's a doppelganger is seen uh, rollerblading down the halls of the colleges at Oxford, even though he's still alive. So I, I don't know. Go for it. <laughs> well, that's a great, you know, great, 
segue because uh, <laughs> is it yeah to what well to what we were talking about we have a we have a thing in the Jesuit Ignatian spirituality called the examine so mm. it's time mm. to take a take a five minute break and just say just stop everything yeah and and I think as we get closer to Advent you just reminded me that's what I need to do that's one of the things I need to do just take a break close the door, turn off the phone, turn off everything. And, and of course, when my wife, my lovely, beautiful wife, Laura, hears this interview, she's going to say, you just, you're never going to do that. And she's probably right, but it's at yeah, least. Yeah, we are going to do it right this second. Our <laughs> but, Father, but it's, but it's at least it? an effort to do something to change <laughs> the trajectory of your day and, and do that. So so you teach classes. How many classes a day do you teach? Yeah, I'm serious, though. I'm going to stop right this second and say in Our Father. All right, right go so ahead. practice what we preach. Go ahead. Our Father who, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Of course, it doesn't make for very good radio, does That's it? That's all right. You know, we, you, you, you'd be surprised, my listeners. You know, sometimes they use it to go to sleep. I told them, I said, yeah. I said you're going to go long. Maybe that'll be, they'll think it's over. If he said amen, that's over. Um, all right, so you're teaching classes. You're teaching young boys, uh, trying yeah, to. Well, juniors, high school juniors. juniors. I, 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 I've taught pretty much like every class and coached every sport at this point, but I used to teach seventh grade theology and seventh grade English. Then I taught eighth grade. I'm working my way up. I'm on juniors now. <laughs> I, I teach uh, junior uh, theology of the body. God Almighty, there's a little pile of prayer right there for strength amid adversity. Uh, and then sometimes I teach a class in apologetics to seniors. Wow, fantastic! Yeah, and teaching that, and it's funny because we we spend a lot of time in that apologetics class learning how to listen. Like it's. Um, I mean, I have found, at least in my experience, that I get a lot further with listen to converting my opponent when I listen to them than when I over when I out talk them. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes it's and even like even with my students, sometimes they'll be really angry about something or they'll be debating something with me, and and I'll say, uh, you know what? I think you just won. Like that's really a good point. Uh, let me get back to you. And, and just just admitting that they had a better argument, they'll come back the next day saying, okay, well, I really, like, in fact, in one case, he came back the next day and said, you know, I was thinking about what you said, and my argument actually wasn't all that good. Here's why. <laughs> like, I didn't even have to make the argument at that point. But the uh, I think there's a great uh, a poverty of uh, uh we don't have a problem with being open-minded, but we do have a problem with listening. Um, also, actually, hadn't actually thought of this until now, but there's a difference between listening to someone and being open-minded. Um, we seem to be a very open-minded culture all of a sudden. Like, we'll just accept anything, but we don't really take into consideration what these things mean, do we? Or else... We'd have we'd have more interesting disagreements if we did. I we were, you and I were talking about my friend Umar, and uh, we had a buddy of his on the radio on our podcast together. Umar's a, a, a fundamentalist Muslim. Well, no, maybe not fundamental. Yeah, I think he is. Anyway, he and I don't agree on anything. So we we have a podcast called Disagreement, and. Um, I don't know how many listeners we have. I got an email from somebody 
who said, I don't like your podcast, but I'm really glad a Catholic and a, pro- and a Muslim are talking, so I subscribe <laughs> to it. I don't ever listen to it, but I subscribe to it. Um, but he, uh, we, we had a friend of his on the, on the show who had spent 12 years in a super max prison for terrorists. Wow. Yeah, he wasn't a terrorist himself, but he had done some fundraising. And so, and, and now he works actually for Opus Dei of all things. Really? Yeah. He, I mean, he's still Muslim, but he, but in the course of the conversation, I finally said what was on my mind, which it did, actually, finally, I said it pretty early on. Um, I said, are you proud to be an American? And he said, oh yeah. He's like, can you imagine? He said, I'd be dead if I were in any other country. He's like, this is a great country. And I was stupid. And I earned every minute of those 12 years. Like, he was really interesting. But at the end of it, I said, well, can we say a prayer together? He said, no, I don't think so. (laughs) I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, are we sure we're praying to the same God? And, and, And I just, I was like, dude, I totally respect where you're coming from. Like, I would much rather have a discussion about whether Allah and the Trinity are the same thing right. than then just both of us say, eh, who cares what our differences yeah. are? Let's just, let's just pray together. Yeah. Who cares? Let's move on down the road. Yeah. I, well, they, I had a student years ago named Johansa Simon, whose father was a Southern Baptist minister. He later went on to become a Marine officer, I think. But anyway, he... Um, he, the kids always used to try to get him and me to fight in class because Johansa was a very vocal Baptist. And at one point we were talking about the Eucharist and they said, and one of the kids said, well, you know, Yo doesn't think that the Eucharist is real. And I said, well, yeah, and Yo's wrong. And they went, oh! <laughs> and Johansa stood up, he turned around to the class, he said, look, of course I think he's wrong. He thinks I'm wrong. If he thought I was right, he'd be a Baptist. <laughs> He's like, I don't find that insulting. He says, "What I would, what, but what I would find insulting is if he told me my beliefs didn't matter, right? right? So, and I love Johansa for that, and I suspect and hope that we'll see each other. And well, we've seen each other since, but we'll we'll get to laugh about it in heaven later. Good, I hope. Well, hey, we're getting close to the end of our time, but I, a couple of things. Tell us the, the names of the books where they, people can get them. Well, you, wherever fine literature is offered, <laughs> uh, you can uh, Amazon. But Ignatius Press uh, published a book called a vine called Humility Rules: Saint Benedict's Twelve Step Guide to Genuine Self Esteem, uh, and that that's the that's been a bestseller for a while now. That's how you and I became friends. That's because right. I was given that at my retreat, and I thought somebody's pulling my leg, giving a Jesuit-educated person a book on humility, and I loved yeah. it. The, not only your writings, which are incredible, but also the artwork you Thank put you. in there is spectacular. Yeah. You're the, the illustration. Photoshop, yeah. You just do fabulous work. All right. Oh, thanks. Um, so and, that can, uh, another book on decision making called "Pray, Think, Act: Better Decisions." Make better decisions with the Desert Fathers, and then I wrote a novel, which is uh, called "The Eighth Arrow," and Odysseus fights his way out of Dante's hell. And then, uh, if you write to St. Joseph Media, they'll give you my children's book about a oh, awesome three-legged turtle with a wheel. I, I wrote it for a friend of mine who came back from Af- uh, from Iraq with one arm. He oh, wow. lost his arm in Iraq and wrote it for his kids. 
But it's you have to get straight from the publisher, which is St. Joseph Media in Missouri. So fantastic, good. And you got a that's podcast. It's called Oh well, disagreement. Disagreement's good. And that's yeah. on Spotify or uh, it's Spotify, Apple. Awesome. All, I think we've done nineteen episodes now. So if you want to support interreligious dialogue <laughs> between two provocative <laughs> idiots, uh, <laughs> subscribe to Disagreement. But the one really great part of it, though. Is the music? I'm gonna. Put, can I play the music? Of course, of course, of course. Because he and I, uh, Umar brought some Ramadan music, and <laughs> I brought some Gregorian chant, and we meshed it together. Let me see if I can find it here. I wonder if the sounds like a rap please. song, frankly. But I'll take well, your word for yeah, it. <laughs> here we go. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Uh, here. Yeah, wow. isn't that cool? That's fantastic. And the, and I did the little icon. Oh, I love it. Too. How wonderful. Perfect. <laughs> well, Father, anyway. it, it's been great having you. We got a busy day today. Father's kind enough to spend the day with me, or sadly for him. Oh, no, we we had a breakfast. He's doing a luncheon for our ladies, and then we're going to do a dinner tonight with some couples. Uh, and really, just really to try to set the mood for what I believe is, you know, uh, I know Easter is really the hype. That's the Super Bowl for us. But... Uh, Without ad- the incarnation, <laughs> we'd have a hard time getting to Easter. But adv- by the way, I forgot to tell you, we're going to have two nuns that, uh, so the pressure will be on tonight. You got two nuns coming to dinner, so oh, we'll yeah? see how that works what, out. What, Incarnate what Word Academy. Flavor? From oh, Incarnate, Incarnate Word Academy, Word. yeah. Two wonderful two sisters, uh, Sister Lauren and Sister Carmel, who are dear friends of ours. But um, Father, thank you so much. We look forward to continuing the dialogue. We'll have this on Spotify. And uh, for all of you all out there, thank you so much for listening in, and we Yay. will be back soon. Have a great day. God bless. Benedictus omnipotens Deus Pater Filius Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Quick old school blessing. <laughs> Thank you, Father. All right. <laughs>